Carrington. Um, as you can hear, the drive tomorrow from 2 to 6 with Rob and CDOT. Arrowhead Pride Radio tomorrow night at 7 o'clock and then followed up by that betting show with Alex Gold. Um, so make sure you're tuning in to 610 Sports Radio uh, throughout the day and the evening. I will not be in uh, for Arrowhead Pride Radio. I'll take one week off, and then I'll be back forever, I promise. And uh, and then we will uh, hit the ground running. Chiefs now 6-1 and one on the season, sole possession of first place when it comes to the AFC West and also the AFC in general. Uh, Patrick Mahomes absolutely firing all cylinders, especially after last week's 424, four touchdown, one interception game. I asked the question, is this the best Chiefs team that there's ever been? Or is it at least headed towards that direction? I think some people would disagree. There's a lot of you that were around in 1969-70 that watched that Chiefs uh, dominant team that had one of the best defenses of all time, had a really good offense led by Lynn Dawson and company. But this team is different to me. Again, I wasn't even remotely close to being alive. I know there were good teams in 96, 97. I know there was a really good team in 2003. But all those teams kind of were missing something, right? And the first part of this conversation, which, you know, I don't know if it's just because they're the team that we pay most attention to in this town or if it's because, you know, this is, you know, whatever it may be. And, Nathan, you can feel free to to chime in on this. But is the AFC a disappointment so far this season or are the chiefs just that much better than everybody else? Because now they're the number one power ranking team. The dolphins are the third in the AFC, but Buffalo's almost lost to the giants. And then they lose to new England. I know it's a road game in the division, but then you look at the Baltimore Ravens who absolutely blow the bricks off the house of the Detroit lions last week, 38 to six. And Lamar Jackson was the best quarterback per rankings last week. I think Mahomes still kind of looked better just because he was, I don't know, maybe just more complete 424 yards, ran for 29, got two third downs with his legs, whatever you want to call it. And Baltimore, but also loses to Pittsburgh, a divisional game, right? But Lamar Jackson doesn't play well in that game, but they lose that game. Pittsburgh, we're confused by Cincinnati. We don't know where they're at. They come off a bye this week, and they'll play, and their schedule will get insanely tougher throughout the season. But there were a lot of questions with Cincinnati. Are they that team? Are they as good as we think we are? Buffalo, same way. Miami, every time they play a defense, they lose. They played Buffalo, got beat by 28. They played the Philadelphia Eagles. End of the game, it wasn't that close. And so – you look at the AFC, and then you look at the South, the Jaguars are going to run away with that division, I believe. I don't know if, if C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans can maintain it. Again, they will come off a bye as well, as last week there were six teams on bye, or call it by mageddon But when you look at what the Chiefs have done, right, Jacksonville 5-2, and two, a lot of people think pretty dominant team, pretty solid team, good head coach, good quarterback. Chiefs only give up nine points to them. Nine. And they play them at their house. Is that not an impressive win? The Chiefs played at Minnesota, handled business, took care of the Vikings. The Vikings last night, now all of a sudden, you know, they're starting to come around. They're starting to show life, and they just beat San Francisco 
at their house. San Francisco went on the road to Minnesota, didn't win. The Chiefs went to Minnesota. A lot of us remember that game. And the Chiefs handled business against Minnesota. And the other one that is maybe of some sort of suspect is the Chiefs went to the New York Jets house, put up 17 really fast, and then gave up, you know, however many it was, 20 points, but still won 23 to 20. And where I'm getting at with all of this is that the Chiefs go on the road and play in tough environments against decent or good teams, and when they win, that team just didn't play well. Well, that team didn't play well because they played against a good defense and a good offense. That team didn't play well because they played a better team. And then sometimes we say, well, maybe we were a little bit, you know, out in front of ourselves when we said the AFC might be the best it's ever been with Cleveland on the rise, Pittsburgh playing better with Mike Tomlin and Kenny Pickett. The Ravens are good in the North. The Dolphins, the Bills, the Jets, they could all be good. And I get it. Aaron Rodgers hasn't played. The South, oh, man, Jacksonville, they could be a team. They're a team to be worried about. And then you throw in the Chiefs, and you look at how bad the AFC West is. And the AFC West isn't good, but every team in the AFC West for the next three years is going to have two losses no matter what because the Chiefs just don't lose to the AFC West. And you look at the offense, and you ask yourself, when does the offense come around? This is without a doubt the most complete Chiefs team you've ever seen. Is it the best? I don't know. I can't make up your mind on that. But they have a second overall standing in the NFL when it comes to passing yards a game at 403.9. Or I'm sorry, 285.4, second. Total yards in the NFL, 403.9. Third down conversions, they're first, 48.9. Passing yards, we've already said second, total yards, second. You move to the defensive side of the ball. They're giving up 312.9 points per game. That's seventh. That's a top ten. They're giving up 189.9 passing yards a game. That's sixth, damn near top five. They're giving up 15 points a game. That's second. Remember how good defense the Cleveland Browns had? They gave up 30-plus to Gardner Minshew, or as I call him, Gardner Fitzpatrick. And on third down conversions, they're giving it up 37.1. That's 12th. 37% of the time they're giving up a first down, 48.9% of the time they're getting a first down. Not only is this Chiefs team good on defense, not only is it good on offense, but in this past week, this was their numbers. In fact, this is from Aaron Schatz. The Kansas City Chiefs are the first team to be top five in all three phases as of week seven since the 1999 Rams. So in the entire NFL the Chiefs are the first team to be top five in all three phases since the 99 Rams. You remember what the 99 Rams did? Greatest show on turf, Super Bowl champions. Number four offense, number five defense, number two in special teams. The other teams to do that, the 84 Washington Redskins. That's what they were called then. 1985 Bears won the Super Bowl. 1990 Giants won the Super Bowl. 1991 Washington Redskins won the Super Bowl. 96 Packers won the Super Bowl. Do you need any sort of clarification that this is probably the best Chiefs team you've ever seen? Fourth, fifth, second, offense, defense, special teams? I don't know what to say you. It's the best Chiefs team I've ever seen. I, I obviously wasn't around for the Lynn Dawson Chiefs teams. I don't know how many times in the last five years that we've said, Imagine if Mahomes had a defense. <laughs> Imagine if he had a top half defense, a top 10 defense. Right. It's by far and away the most complete team of the Mahomes era. 
and I think the lack of flash is the only argument against it being the best. Um, we've seen Mahomes throw for 50 touchdowns. He doesn't have to do that anymore. No. They've, they've overcome so much in the last two years, getting rid of Tyreek Hill, rebuilding the secondary, figuring out this pass rush. It reminds me so much of the 2010s Patriots. Their first go-around, early in the 2000s, that defense was all-time. Yeah. Couldn't go in there and score. The back half of that decade, that decade, you got Brady, Moss, just obliterating people, setting records. Mm-hmm. But the last 10 years Brady was in New England, it was so frustrating as a fan of another team to play the Patriots. They weren't world beaters in any one area of the game, but they were so complete. You had to play such a perfect game to even have a chance to go into Foxborough and win the game. They weren't muffing punts. They weren't turning the ball over. They were managing the clock well. This Chiefs team, I think, is the closest thing I've seen to that Mm -hmm. in my NFL viewership. I don't know what else you could want in a football team. Yeah, and it's interesting that they're where they at are or where they're at in special teams. But again, that's the you know the rise of Harrison Butker getting better and better as his career moves onward. And I think what's interesting is that it is kind of funny that you know at least the past three to four years, the narrative, like you said, has been, oh, if you gave Patrick Mahomes a defense, then he wouldn't have to be Superman. And yet Patrick Mahomes is still somewhat Superman, and he has a top-five defense. And the thing about this is, you know, you can, you can say what you want about the NFL and that it's, oh, it's hard to compare different eras or different decades because the game is so different. You know, the 90s, you ran the ball all the time and had a good defense. And the early 2000s, it was, do you have a trusting quarterback that can set you up at the end of the game? And I get it. They're always going to find flaws within teams. And, you know, maybe the Chiefs is, you know, I don't know. I mean, their secondary is good. Their linebacking core is good. Took a huge hit with Nick Bolton, but it's next man up mentality. Drew Tranquil showed that he could play at a high level at a certain time when he was needed, and he did. And the defensive line, the arrowheadpride.com uh, wrote a, a fantastic article on the defensive line and how great it is. And then you, you flip it over and you look at the offense. That offensive line is, is, is stellar, right? Mahomes doesn't really get hit. If he gets pressured, it's okay because it's three or four times a game where it's like, hey, that's fine. Go use your legs when you need them. And, you know, you're doing this. I mean, what's the weakest unit? The wide receivers? But you have a quarterback that that doesn't matter. He's leading. He's second in passing yards, second in total yards, tied for the lead in touchdowns, and tied for the lead, or second. I guess he's third now because Kirk Cousins passed him last night in passing yards. But it's just it's interesting when you see things like that because this is why it's trending for maybe the best Chiefs team ever. They're a complete cohesive unit on defense, special teams, and offense. There are only three units of a team. Not only that, it's finally complete. All of the levels on defense are loaded and smart. Your corners are good. Your safeties are like you trust Brian Cook and Justin Reed. You trust LeJarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie. You trust Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Drew Tranquil, Leo Chanel. You trust O'Minahue after one game, Chris Jones, you know, even George Karloftis, who looks like he's really coming into his own. I don't think that the AFC is weak. I just think the Chiefs are miles and miles ahead of everyone else. And where you can round that out is that when you have a surefire locked-up quarterback that you don't have to worry about, you can then figure out and focus on where you need to strengthen your team, and the Chiefs don't have to worry about that, nor have they had to have worried about that for at least the last five years. 
They just sit there and like, well, we don't have to worry about quarterback. Look at every team that has at least a solidified team. And there's really only three. Well, there's really only two. Maybe three, maybe four, I guess. Buffalo, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Philadelphia. You trust all of those quarterbacks. At least I do. I know Josh Allen is wild, but you still trust all four of those quarterbacks. Look at all of those teams' defenses. Philly's defense is getting good. It is good. Buffalo's defense has always been good. It's just really, really dinged up this year. Kansas City's defense, very good. And Cincinnati, it's the weakest one, but they know they have Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. They can work and focus on where they need to be better elsewhere. And those are the four teams that always seem to be at the top of power rankings and the top of the focus of the NFL. Coming up on the other side, Mitch Holtis said something that I'm very surprised that he said joining the drive on Monday with Carrington Harrison about this Broncos game coming up on Sunday at 325. You're listening to the drive. No, you're not. You're listening to After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. Somebody asked earlier on the text line if I did a uh, NBA parlay tonight. I didn't, um, but Denver up 54 to 38 on the Lakers in the second quarter. Denver just looks like it might just do it all over again. Phillies down 1-0 in game seven in the bottom of the first as Arizona scored first. Kyle Schwarber up at the plate. Now, I asked, uh, who was it that I asked the other night? But who who would you put your money on? Schwarber or Bryce Harper to hit a home run tonight? Well, if Castellanos is not an option, I mean, yeah. Uh, give me Schwarber. Okay. Uh, these guys, they, I, they're they either going to all do it or they're not going to the World Series. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when they explode, especially in the playoffs, it's like 10 to 2. Yeah. Um, as uh, Schwarber strikes out. Yeah. I think I saw one at one point this year, he had a stat line that uh, – <laughs> He had 43 singles and 43 home runs. <laughs> if that's not today's age of baseball. And just what a cool career. Uh, he's played for some cool franchises, and then he just gets to Philly, and they're like, we're going to bat this slugger first. Yeah. Why not? Set the tone. Um, but, yeah, so game seven tonight, opening night in the NBA. I just really feel like this time of year has really taken over my opinion on what – I used to think was the second greatest part of the year. Cause I used to be really like pro early spring golf's around the corner. You've survived winter baseball's back. Um, you know, the NFL season is finally completed basketball playoffs are around the corner. And then everyone was always like, Oh no, 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 no. Dusty, dusty, dusty. It's fall. You know, the season changing is beautiful. You can still play golf, even though leaves are frustrating. Um, which I think this year I'm going to be that guy that brings a leaf blower to the course. I really, I thought about this last night in my room. I was like, what if I brought a leaf uh, blower and just kind of sat it in the back of the cart? And then if I'm on the rough, I can just blow the leaves around. I don't think that's illegal in, you know, standard clubs. Um, but yeah, I just really think with the NBA starting, MLB getting into like the CSs and the World Series, that's where it really matters. In fact, I saw somewhere if Arizona wins tonight, Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's already there. That this is the first time in seven years the World Series hasn't had Houston or L.A. represented, which is awesome. Um, but then you have, like, 
football and midseason. You're starting to get into the bourbon season. You're starting to get into like hoodie, crock pots, good meals, soups, warm stuff, medicine balls at 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 Starbucks. I'm kind of into that whole tea honey combo now. The older I get, but either way. I, te- I don't know. I just think that maybe this might be the best time of the year. Uh, give me fall also, but the spring yeah. is just so top-heavy. I mean, March Madness, you yeah. can't beat it. People really undersell how much NFL news we get post-Super Bowl. Yeah. That March time is a is a quick-moving part of the NFL season that keeps you hooked. And the vibes of just it warming up. Right. Um, well, you have the draft, the Masters, opening day, mm. um, NBA push. Like, you're starting to get into the playoffs. Uh, you can start to get outside again. You can open up your windows again. Like, grass is turning green. Like, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I guess this fall we'll be able to see this uh, this new NBA in-season tournament. Mm-hmm. Is that a new pro of the fall? Yeah. I mean, that's, you got to add to it. I mean, yeah. it'll probably be by wintertime by the time that happens. But Mitch Holtis joined the drive yesterday as he does every single week at 4 o'clock with Carrington Harrison and Rob Britton and said this about the Denver game. Sound the alarm right now to get ready for this one. Forget there's even a game in Germany. Forget it. I don't know if you noticed something last night. Coach and Coach, when we taped our interview, listen for it tonight. Because I'm asking about last night. And his mind, you can see, has already gone to Denver. Denver, Denver. He'll come back about three or four times and say Denver. And then we eventually end up talking about Denver. But even when he brought the team together, the videos that you always see, how about those Chiefs and Chris Jones took it over last night? Within seconds, he said, you know, great job, Denver. Coach knows. He knows that and been around this league as a head coach for a quarter century that this is the kind of game that can slip away from you, especially now that you have a Denver team defensively that has a little bit of its sass back. So I, I'm interested to hear that from Mitch Holtis because I think it's – I don't know if I, I think he – believes in trap games i think he maybe does and maybe he has an idea that it can exist but i always i always think mitch is you know more in focus to what the week is week in and week out because obviously he does so much homework and due diligence with that roster and those teams and those games like he knows where i went to high school and college and i've only met him three times and I don't believe in trap games, even though some say this screams one. Right? You're on the road against Denver, who's what, two and five, two and two and five, right? You're going to their place. You're playing them a third time or a second time in three weeks. But you look at all of the chips that stack up on one side as opposed to what's on the other, right? Mahomes is 16 and 0 on the road against the AFC West. People would say eventually they have to lose. You can't win every single game. You're not going to go 36-0 and in 12 years in the NFL against your opponents of your division. I don't know. Maybe you might. But he hasn't lost. In fact, his first career win came in Denver. And he's 12-0 and versus the Denver Broncos. And people would say, well, why is the number off? Well, because in... 2017, he played that final game of the season where they won, took him out, had to put him back in to win the game, and he was forever then was like, okay, that's our guy. Albert Wilson game. 143 on 10 catches. And I just don't see the Broncos winning this game. They can't score. Their defense is atrocious. 
And this defense doesn't allow points, and this offense scores points. Second most in the NFL on giving up points, and they're sixth the most points scored by the offense. This is a complete Chiefs team. And I get it. The Chiefs may not go 16-1. and one. They might. But they may not go 16-1. and one, But I don't see them losing, if they do, to a team like the Denver Broncos. Just like we had talked about earlier in the show. Teams like the Niners lose to the Jets. Teams like the Eagles lose to the Browns. Or maybe it's vice versa. And when you look at these types of games, the Chiefs just stay focused. The Chiefs don't fall for trap games. And I know last year they lost to the Colts, but it really wasn't like a way of which they lost because it was on them. I know Travis Kelsey dropped a touchdown. I know Sky Moore dropped a fumble or dropped a punt return. But there was some sort of weirdness that happened with Matt Ryan and Chris Jones that caused the game to be extended on their side, and the Chiefs didn't really come back from that. But I just don't see the Broncos winning, right? They can't score. This defense has only given up the most all year, 21 points. And that was to the Lions. The Jags only scored nine. The Jets only scored 20. The Bears only scored 10. The Chargers only scored 17 and a half. The Chargers with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Palmer, Johnson. They only scored 17 points and a half. You would assume that the Chargers are a little bit better offensively than Denver. I just hope this game, in my opinion, is smooth and there are no injuries. Now, hand to God, if you asked me what I really wanted, I'd say 35 to 3. I'd say let him go out there, let Mahomes throw three touchdowns for 285 yards in the first half, let Kelsey have like seven for 88 and a touchdown, let Rasheed Rice have four for 68 and a touchdown in the first half, take control in the third quarter, get everybody out, keep everybody healthy, and get out of Denver. That's all I want in this game. And I think that's all the Chiefs want in this game. And luckily they have a coach who I believe wants the exact same recipe and is perfect at prepping his team for those types of things. So again, I don't really believe in trap games because I don't believe that this sort of team has that sort of, you know, insecurity with them when the coaching level and the players and everybody in ownership with this team. I don't think they're allowed to do that. Mahomes hasn't lost to the Broncos. Mahomes hasn't lost on the road. It's going to be 20 degrees with wind and snow. He plays very well in inclement weather. Speaking of playing very well, that game in Minnesota, that game in Jacksonville, they look a little different at this point in the season. You're listening to last, you're listening to after hours on 610 sports radio. Zayton Sports, the Denver Broncos. Uh, well, that I couldn't tell you. You'd have to ask them that. Um, 816, defense only gave up 14 points to Detroit. KT gave up seven. No, I believe that. I believe. I mean, trust me, I I fully understand that. Well, and one of those defensive touchdowns in that Detroit game was a drive that the defense got off the field, went mm-hmm. deep into Chiefs territory, or Lions territory, and they uh, fake the punt. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just think that uh, I just I, – I, I last week, I get it. Like, everyone always gets concerned about the Chargers. It's always a close game. 
I think like every game that Herbert and Mahomes had played had only been like a six-point game or fewer. And then Mahomes just went out there and won by 14. He finally has a defense. That's the huge difference. Like that's the biggest difference when you look at, you know, where this team is this year as opposed to where this team has been in the past. And, you know, it's just you think about those things and you think about what, uh, you know, this team has been before. Hey, Mahomes, like, we can't have any mistakes on offense. I know that there are going to be interceptions that you throw, and Mahomes has thrown a, a few this year, you know, two of which have been drops. But still, like, I believe he's got 15 touchdowns and six interceptions, but in reality it should be like 15 and four, which I'm fine with because he's also the type of guy that, yeah, you can throw like an interception or two interceptions in, in back-to-back games or, you know, throw three interceptions in four games, but then you can go like five or six games where he doesn't throw any. Um, but the thing that's interesting about the chiefs and I want to get into, you know, something on the other side of this here in a little bit. And don't forget, we'll have the out of left field question at, uh, eight o'clock tonight. So you'll want to stick around for that. We'll obviously get that for you before we go to the break, um, in the, uh, next segment, but it seems that maybe these chiefs wins get more and more impressive throughout the season. Right. And I tweeted this last night and a lot of people kind of jumped in on it and were, you know, talking about, like, hey, I've been saying the same thing for two weeks. But where I start is you can't really be impressed with a loss. At least that's my opinion. A loss is a loss no matter how you look at it. You have to take away the negatives in a loss. You lose the game, everything goes out. Like, you can be that person. I'm not going to be mad at you that has a moral victory with the loss where it's like, yeah, they lost, but really they only gave up this many points. Now, you lost that first game. Um only giving up 14 real points, 21 obviously, but you, you still lost that game. There were drops. There were, you know, a guy holding out, sitting in a in a in a suite watching your team lose. So there's really not a lot of positive that I took from that game, other than the fact that you know they played a decent team. They only lost by one, and they had two of their superstars out. But still, a loss is a loss. But where I start with how every game that it seems the Chiefs play. Um, get more and more impressive of their wins as you look at Jacksonville, right? Like you look at the Jaguars. If you went to that game on the road on a noon game, which you never play because the chiefs only play at three twenty-five, and they only play on primetime, you know, games, seven twenty, three twenty-five, you know, wherever it is. And I think what's interesting is that you look at that Jacksonville game and you look at, you know, the chiefs, right. And they go there in their house And the week prior, Jacksonville scored 31 points. The next week, they scored 17 and lost. The next week, they scored 23, 25, 37, 31. Chiefs only gave up nine points to the Jags, right? Nine points. As Jacksonville, when you look at their team stats, they're 14th in total yards, they're 14th in passing yards, and they ranked ninth in points at 24.7, and the Chiefs gave up nine on the road to which is now a 5-2 and two team, a division-leading team in the South, and the Chiefs only gave up nine points in that game. Yes, they only scored 17. They didn't need to score more than that. They didn't need to score. All they needed to score was 10 points that game, and they did, and they're just fine. You go down a little bit further, right? And you look at the next impressive win. At Minnesota, again, another road game. Another game in which you went on the road, took care of business, and won 27-20. to 20. 
Minnesota didn't score more than 20 points in that game. Chiefs only needed to win or only needed to score 21 points. And you look at Minnesota's points totals throughout the season as well. Right? They had a rough start. But they scored 17, 28, 24, 21, 20, 19, 22 last night. So the Chiefs give up 20 points to the Minnesota Vikings at their house, and they win on the road to an NFC opponent. Last night, the 49ers, who to some might be the best team in the NFL if they were all healthy, or to some are the best team in the NFC or second-best team in the NFC, they went into Minnesota and got beat. Kirk Cousins was good against San Francisco's defense. And last I checked, that defense wasn't hurt. And last I checked, Kirk Cousins didn't have Justin Jefferson. You know who Kirk Cousins had against the Chiefs for the first three quarters of that game? Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and Cam Akers and himself. Kirk Cousins had that. Chiefs took care of business, went into Minnesota, and won. And I get it. The narrative always seems to change. Well, they only beat him by seven. Well, they only needed to beat him by one. It doesn't matter because what does everybody always say? It's so hard to win week in and week out in the NFL, let alone on the road, let alone consecutively. The Chiefs lost their first game of the season. They've won six in a row. The other one to me that's kind of impressive, and I understand that people will roll their eyes or maybe you won't like the fact that we're saying this, but I still think that win in New York was impressive. And I understand that there was no Aaron Rodgers, but you got Zach Wilson's greatest game he's ever played. You still played against that legit defense, but you went up 17-0 on them, and then there was a couple of inadvertent things that kind of went against your way that might have killed the juice that you were building up in that game, right? You had the face mask call that got called a safety that wasn't. You had a horse collar call that was not a horse collar. But what does everybody remember? Oh, well... They called a holding call on the defense or a pass interference or incidental contact that changed the game. And then Mahomes slid before the end zone, held up the are you not entertained look. But the fact that the only loss was by one and you were without your two of your top three greatest players and in reality only gave up 14 points shows you how impressive your wins on the road and your season has been so far. And I get it. The real season and the real schedule doesn't start for another two weeks because then you'll play the likelihoods of the Eagles, the Bengals, the Bills, the Raiders once or twice. Well, you'll play them twice. You'll play the Chargers again. You'll play the Patriots. You'll play the Packers. I get it. I understand. But other teams struggle where the Chiefs seem to handle the business. San Francisco struggled last night. Christian McCaffrey had two touchdowns. George Kittle was good. Brock Purdy was not on the road to a division, not a divisional, but an NC, or, uh, an NFC opponent. The Chiefs also have gone 40 straight games without losing by seven points or, or more. 40 straight games. And they've quietly ripped off six games in a row. And out of those games in a row, we're at Jacksonville, at New York, at Minnesota, Handle business against the Chargers, handle business against the Bears, and you handle business against the Broncos. That's not their fault. What's also not their fault is that people seem to put them at a different standard. And when we talk about standards, there's one thing that I really don't like, which is the standard of this award and this position on the NFL football field. I'll explain what I mean 
coming up next, but also coming up at 8 o'clock, the out-of-left-field question. Don't forget the text line, 913-586-7610. You're listening to 610 Sports Radio, and this program is called After Hours. Here, final segment on a Tuesday night, getting into the 7 o'clock hour towards the end of that on a rainy evening. Disgusting evening. It was so beautiful this weekend, and now we're just into that sort of fallness. 1-1 Philly, Arizona in Game 7 as fireworks tend to, uh, you know, trying to, Philadelphia trying to get to a World Series and save Chris Russo's job. You see this today earlier? Chris Russo said he'd retire on the spot if the Diamondbacks won tonight's game. I saw that. Um, Alec Bohm doing his best to keep Chris Ooh. Russo on the air. The kids are calling those Bomers or Bohm runs. but uh, Bomers is, is flirting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how many Bomers you want to see. If you say that really fast, you might get your mind somewhere else. Well, Chris Russo wants to see a lot of them, I think. Yeah. Uh, he also said that he was going to take a gummy and watch the Colorado uh, – Buffaloes beat Oregon. That didn't happen. But uh, do you, is that is that all cap? Like, you think he actually retires? Or would he, like, retire and it would be part of a gimmick to where then he'd just come back the next day and then live it up to where he's like, you thought I was serious? Oh, yeah. A week later, he's going on a dramatic entrance and it's going all over social media, 100%. Yeah. Um, that I don't understand, which is something else I don't understand, which comes to... The theory or the logic of coach of the year. And I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get into, you know, the high level, because I don't like to raise my voice, really. And I'm not gonna get into the the Chris Russo sort of rant or the or the Bulldog Fesco sort of rant. But I just don't understand the logic of how they do coach of the year. And I know that I had Pete Sweeney on last night on, on after hours from seven to nine after chiefs kingdom show, but I just don't really understand why it's a up and coming award or a, you know, best new artist award, right? Because when you, the analogy he gave was like the MTV Music Awards from back in the day, right? You could have, sorry about that. You could have, you know, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, and really it's only between those as best artists. But somebody like Dia Lupa or Doja Cat or somebody like that slides in and they win. And people are like, that's not the best artist. Like, the best artist is either Beyonce or Taylor Swift. Why don't they win as much as they do? Or Adele. Love Adele. It's a good night for some Adele. Adele. It's a good night for Adele. Like, you pour a little cab, a little Adele in your background, you'd be having a nice little night. Or you have a little hot toddy. But who puts all this together when it comes to the coach of the year? Because bear with me here. Who's the MVP favorite? It's Patrick Mahomes at plus 275. But why is Patrick Mahomes the favorite? 
because he's winning games with Rasheed Rice, with Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Isaiah Pacheco, and he's putting up good numbers. But Patrick Mahomes is supposed to do that, right? So then why is he the favorite? Andy Reid right now, and at the start of the year, was plus 5,000 to win Coach of the Year, and right now is plus 4,000. What does Andy Reid have to do? Because right now the favorite in the NFL to win Coach of the Year is none other than Detroit's Dan Campbell. But again, I go back to the logic and the inconsistency of this report of what coaches have to do. Wasn't Dan Campbell supposed to be doing this? Wasn't Detroit the odds-on favorite to win the NFC North at the start of the year? Like, who's the guy that decides who wins coach of the year? What's the group? Because if Mahomes is supposed to be Mahomes and supposed to throw for 4,000 yards and supposed to throw for 40 touchdowns and supposed to be really good, and he is and wins MVP, then what's the logic? Well, honestly, I think Tua should be MVP because he's doing really good. But guys won't vote for Tua because he's got Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, Tyree Kill. They won't root for him. They won't vote for him. They'll say, oh, well, you never know. But they'll vote for Patrick Mahomes because he has Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, MVS, Sky Moore. But Patrick Mahomes is supposed to do that, but yet he does it and he still gets rewarded for it. What's Andy got to do? Does he have to go 15-2? and two? Because we go back to stats that are egregious and insane to think about when it comes to what a coach should be known for. Bill Belichick has won this award three times. Andy Reid has won it once. One time. In 2007, in his first year as the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. One time, or whatever it was, I don't know. But he won it one time, his first year coaching, and then never won it again, and has yet to ever win it again. And this year, just like last year, Mahomes goes without Tyreek Hill. The offense is supposed to take a step back. The offense finishes first. The offense finishes first in total points, yards, passing yards, all of the above. Last I checked, somebody's drawing up the plays. Somebody's orchestrating this team. Somebody is the conductor of the band that keeps the focus in the train continuously moving in the right direction at the speed that it needs to be successful. And that person is Andy Reid. Yet we can't ever, ever give Andy Reid the coach of the year. We're going to give it to somebody like Dan Campbell, who was supposed to win the AFC North, just like Andy Reid was supposed to win the AFC West. The Chiefs are 6-1. and one. They have the best team in the NFL, and they weren't supposed to be this good, and yet everything is still firing on, or firing on all cylinders. And I just don't get how Andy Reid is at plus 4,000. And the fact that even if he were to go 15-2 and two and win the division and win the AFC's number one seed and have all of that locked up before Christmas, 
I still don't believe that's enough for him to win coach of the year. I think the only way Andy Reid is winning this award again is if he announces before his final season that it is his final season. And then he goes out there and wins the division, has one of these great successful years. He should have won the award last year. For sure. There's no debate for Brian Dable to win that award. I I understand like when someone like McVay came into L.A., changed the game a little bit, maybe he deserved the award. Nothing about the Giants was overly impressive last year. He was the best new coach. That was it. Right. This year it's going to be McDaniel or Campbell. Um, and and frankly, I'm putting Mike Tomlin in this conversation as well. Yeah. The guy's, the guy's never had a losing record and has never won the award. And this year is dragging and, – and they'll fall – I mean, they're not going to win the AFC North. They're, they're punching a little above their weight. Right. They've scored the fourth fewest points in the league. And they're four and two. Yeah. And they beat the Ravens. His defense is what's doing that. Right. And he's plus sixteen hundred on DraftKings. Right. Sixth sixth high best odds. I don't get it. It's just that they either need to get rid of the award or reevaluate how they give it out. It's because this, go ahead. No, yeah. A lot of people would say, well, if he wins it this year, then he just win it every year. That's not true. That's that's not that's not necessarily true. And the thing that's impressive about this is that, like, I think what they do is they take what Andy Reid has done for granted. And that's unfortunate. Like, even LeBron has won more than one MVP. Even Kobe get this Andy Reid treatment. Like, Steve Nash won two MVPs over Kobe. And I think it's just egregious that, and maybe this is just me sounding biased and sounding like a homer or whatever, but it seems that the standards have just always been different with Andy Reid and the Chiefs. It seems like the standards with the Patriots were never this way. And Bill Belichick has still won three. You know Matt Nagy has as many coaches of the years as Andy Reid? Like, let that sink into your brain. And Matt Nagy's been fired of recent. Maybe not his complete fault, but again... Andy Reid has a game of 40 in a row where his team has not been beaten by more than seven points. Dan Campbell's team just got absolutely housed by the Baltimore Ravens, 38 to six. Andy Reid does not get blown out. Andy Reid wins double digit win games every single year. And he does it differently. He does it differently every single year, but yet there's no respect. Like there's no sort of like, well, it's Andy's, but it's it's Andy. It's like, I don't understand that logic either because if it was, then he'd already have two or three awards. And then he'd be like, okay, cool, that's fine. Like, he doesn't need it every year, but respect when it's respected. If they were consistent in giving out this award, Andy would have won it in 2013 as well when he came over here and took a 2-14 and 14 to the playoffs and started off 9-0 and 0 or whatever. Right. It's the best new coach award, and you're right. Andy doesn't get any respect. I don't know what he has to do. If, if, if He if, has to go 16-1. and one. If that 2022 team does not get Andy Reid that award, I don't think he's winning another one. No. And that's what's crazy. Like you said, Dayball wins it last year. How are the Giants this year? Right? Best surprise coach, best head coach. Right? It's it, it's just strange to me that, that guys like, is Dan Campbell a fun story? Is Detroit fun? Yes. But if Andy Reid doesn't win the coach of the year because of the expectations then Dan Campbell's in the same boat because Detroit was supposed to win the AFC, or the NFC North. And guess what? The NFC North sucks. 
just like the AFC West sucks. But look at everything that goes into every single season. The team is prepared. The team doesn't get blown out. The team is always there at the top. And yes, Mahomes is his quarterback. But Belichick had Brady for three times that he won coach of the year and still won it. And it's just ridiculous that Andy Reid's standards have to be 16 and 1 or 15 and 2, whereas somebody can go 10 and 7 and win the damn award. The out of left field question tonight is what is something that started that you started to dislike the older that you got? Again, without stuttering. What are what is something that you have started to dislike? The older you got, the number is 913-586-7610. Again, something that you've started to dislike the older you've gotten, 913-586-7610. We get to the out-of-left-field question coming up on the other side on After.